this afternoon we're still at that 56th chapter in the first verse of Isaiah thus saith the Lord keep ye judgment and do justice for my salvation is near to come and my righteousness to be revealed our obligation to make just judgments to maintain righteousness and judgment and do justly uh, it's a requirement of of us as, as children of God and that we should be doing God's will for his kingdom to come here on earth. It's a not only a practice, it's a preparatory period. It's a time that we are preparing for his kingdom, for judgment in his kingdom and doing the work of God. And when we are born again, it's one of the chief purposes of us being born again. Uh, in the living version that verse reads be just and fair to all the Lord God says do what's right and good for I'm coming soon to rescue you we know during the time of Enoch and those that walk with God that it it was a stressor it's a stressor in society to maintain good works and to do good when everybody else around you is not when all the injustices are happening and things are be to be performed. And so God, his word, it said that it was weak through the flesh. The law was weak through the flesh. So he gives us of his spirit, us in the church, when I say us, talking about his sons and daughters. Once we are born again, we have that new birth that hope and expectation of Christ and something's about to happen. And now we hear from his word and, and that's what we're to do is go into the temple, go and hear God's word, go go into where his word is preached and taught and, to, and practice God's word. The Amplified says, this is what the Lord says, maintain justice and do righteousness for my salvation is soon to come and my righteousness and justice is soon to be revealed. So this earnest of inheritance that he gives us, this Holy Spirit that he had given us, we're looking and he's bringing salvation soon, complete salvation, a maturity of salvation. But with what we have, we strive because we know that we're in the midst of things right now that his kingdom is about to be revealed and he says he's right near at the door that it's about to be revealed so there's going to be a sudden quickness a certain time but during that time we're to practice judging and carrying forth justice here on the earth right now and to show you the expectation of that he says maintain judgment maintain just and do good Psalms 11 and 7 says for the Lord is absolutely righteous he loves righteousness that is virtue morality and justice the upright shall see his face so this is describing people that's already doing the things that's going to be necessary to be able to see the face of God, to be able to see God in their lives. Those that are walking by faith that believe and trust in God's word as heard through his 
apostles and th through those that believed upon the apostles' word. Isaiah, the first chapter in the 17th verse says, Learn to do, to do good, to be fair, to help the poor, the fatherless, and the widows. So we see we're in the right place to learn to do those good works and everything. So it's a learning because there has to be a, a balance to what we learn and not just doing works, just not doing of our own works. It has to be works designed by God. It has to be a balance and it has to be led by the Spirit of God. So we're not saved by works, but we have a faith that has works. So that's why it says, take my yoke upon me, upon you, and learn of me. In learning of Christ, the Amplified says, learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke the ruthless, defend the fatherless, plead for the rights of the widow in court. So we see socially that we are to be doing right in our community deeds and we have an election coming up next month on the 14th. We have uh, things in the community and the court system. We see a corrupt court system. We see injustice every day. But God's people are be supposed to have their shoulders to this doing what we can do. Not being entangled in the world's affair, but we in the world and inside of the world and in the world, we're to be lights in the world. We're to be lights because that's what he did, went around doing good. And we ought to have good works. Jeremiah, the 22nd chapter in the third verse says, Thus saith the Lord, execute judgment and righteousness and deliver the spoil out of the hand of the oppressor. And do no wrong, do no violence to the stranger, the fatherless, nor the widow, nor shared innocent blood in this place. He's telling them to where they was coming into their inheritance, whether they was in Judah, those left in Judah, those that were being carried on to Babylon, those that sat at the gate returning to Judah because they had been exiled some 70 years because of their disobedience to God. But here, the requirements of the obligation, the responsibility that had been enjoined to them to do, and we have to do what God has given us to do. We do, and we should take pleasure in doing the will of God. That's why we need to learn what the will of God is, because those of us that are born again, we look for and we take joy and glorify him by doing his will and doing it right as it says work unto man as you working unto the Lord yes. the amplified says thus says the Lord execute justice and righteousness and rescue the one who has been robbed from the hand of his oppressor do no wrong do no violence to the stranger other fatherless, other water, not shed innocent blood in this place. And the living reads similar to that. It says, the Lord says, be fair-minded, do what is right, help those in need of justice, quit your evil deeds, protect the rights of aliens and immigrants. That's 
something that we hadn't looked at. That's something as a nation we're having so-called religious people teach against doing good for the aliens and the immigrants. We treat them as subhuman. There's where the federal government is in a thing with the governor of Texas about these buoys that they have in the water that the people are getting caught up on and all of these things. Even though someone may be classed as our enemy, Jesus Christ enjoins us even to treat our enemies right. If they hunger, feed them. If they thirst, give them the drink. We have to find out better ways to carry out the law of the land. And I see a lot of Christian people are standing up for some of those immigrants and aliens that are trying to get to this nation or whatever. Because be careful how you treat other people, and that's how he says, we will want strangers ourselves. The Israelites were strangers in Egypt. They were strangers in Babylon. Be careful, and and the New Testament says, "Be aware of how you treat strangers, because some, if unawares, entertain angels." Be careful what you're sowing and reaping, and how you judge people and what you're doing, because the Bible gives us a warning to be careful of how you treat strangers and aliens, and it gives us guidelines to treat them, the poor. It tells us about living trying to squeeze out every penny out of our paychecks for ourselves. In other words, that's the same as the Israelites and their culture when it says, don't glean the corner of your fields. In other words, leave something out there for the poor and the stragglers, those that are without, something that they could come and have something to eat with or whatever. We have a problem just as... Israel was the problem. Israel became the problem. The reason God judged Israel is because a lot of us, a lot of us in the uh, African-American community, uh, black Americans, uh, African-Americans, whatever you want to call us, Hispanics and all of us, sometimes when we get in a culture, we forgot how we were treated uh, how things happen with us once we reach a certain level. And the same thing with Christianity. I think that's why God still allows the persecution of his people. And he sent persecution to scatter his church because they was clustering in in Jerusalem and they wasn't going out with the Great Commission, going in, go ye into all of the world. So we have to be careful that we're doing what God had called us to do. And I told you about revelation. His justice is about to be revealed. But it's only going to be revealed to those who can catch God at a glimpse. Who the grace of God appears to you and you act upon it. You, you, through faith, act upon it. The just shall live by faith because he's not going to give you more if you're not using the little that he's given you. Why should he give you more talents to go hide and bury? That's why he only gave the man that was going to hide that talent, that one talent, because he knew he was going to go and hide that talent. 
we have to be able to. God makes us lawyers and judges or whatever profession, a vocation God puts you in. He says, make sure your vocation. You have to be as Mordecai told Esther. Now be careful. Now if you don't do something to help your people while you have this position, helps go come from some other place or whatever, and you will find yourself fighting against God because you didn't use what he or why he put you where he put you. There's a reason God placed each one of us where he put us, the family he put us, the job he put us, whatever social environment or cultural environment we find ourselves in. God has placed us there. And that's what and we're to by the strength of his word, that's how we grow strong in the Lord. The joy of the Lord. In other words, he's glad when he see his people doing what they should be doing and doing things to please him. That's why he was bragging up on Job. He told Satan that you considered his servant Job, because Job was doing what he's supposed to do. Job was feeding the poor. He was helping the widow. Job was a very wealthy man. And that's what God's going to give us, blessings and wealth that's coming. And, and if we have expectations and hope in God and walking in faith, it's right at the door. A time of prosperity is at hand. God's about to bless his people. The year of Jubilee is coming. Isaiah 26, 7 through 8 says, The way of the just is uprightness. Thou most upright doest weigh the path of the just. Yea, in the way of thine judgments, O Lord, have we waited at for thee. The desire of our soul is to thy name and to the remembrance of thee. Let's do that in the living Bible. A lot of people, teachers and preachers, have preached against other versions and other interpretation or translations of the Bible or whatever, and the people are, are like reading Paul. It's hard to be understood or whatever. You may not be ready for some parts of the meat of the word through the King James Version or through some of these versions that words are added until you take a teacher of God, a preacher of God, who break it down and give you the simplicity of it and explain to you what you're reading. That's what the eunuchs say. How can he understand unless some man explain it unto him? That's why he put teachers in the fivefold ministry in the church to give the people or to edify the Word of God, to, to, to bring the Word of God out and give them interpretation of what the Word of God is saying. The Living Version says, But for good men, the path is not uphill and rough. God does not give them a rough and treacherous path, but smooth roads before them, O Lord. We love to do your will. In other words, these trials and tribulations, God is in the trial and tribulation. He's helping you to do the work. He's bringing you along. It may be suffering. It may be times of tribulation. That's why when we take a version like this living version, it says God does not do that. No, God does allow sometimes the adversity, to the trial and tribulation, the suffering, the hard time, just as he did David to bring David in the right path. Because the trying of your faith is worth much more than precious gold. So 
some term of version may seem questionable, but then that's when you pray to God and ask him for the correct understanding. Now, send a teacher, uh, send a preacher, someone to explain these things to you and to give you, as a good Berean, what the instructions of the what the right word of God says. The way of holiness is not a picnic journey. The way of the righteous, those in right standing with God, that is living in moral and spiritual integrity, is smooth and level. Oh, upright one, make a level path for the just and the righteous. Indeed, in the path of your judgments, O Lord, we have waited expectantly for you. Your name, even your memory, is the desire and the deep longing of our soul. It's something else when you get a football court or a basketball court or whatever venue you're in, whether it's a hard instructor that's teaching, a teacher that teaches you and give you and not make it too easy for you because there are rewards along the way and the teacher instructs you and teaches you how to walk the path. And that's what Jesus came. He came and he walked the path for us. And now he says, this is the way walk therein. And he gave us of his spirit and his spirit leads us in right path. It leads us in righteousness. So it's not the toil of the labor that he gave or put out of men. You remember I told you it's a reversal of the curse. But there's sometimes it's going to be loneliness. Sometimes there's going to be days that exhaust you. Jesus himself was exhausted and laid asleep and rested in the boat. Beware of someone trying to make this journey too easy or too light for you. You may not appreciate after you get there. That's why he says that he went through all of these trials and suffering, all what God had put him through for the joy that was set before him. For he knew what was going to be on the other side. We know that heaven's on the other side. So he tells us to to get into that kingdom, we must labor to enter in. But we enter into his rest. In other words, he's carrying the load. He's carrying the burden. He says his burden is easy. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. So once we come to him and, and of his spirit, we are realized that we're not doing this alone. We're doing the will of God, and he, he, that energy that we get from within, that energizing, that hope, that zeal, it's of God. It's not of us. That's why a lot of people that's not truly born again or converted, truly converted but are false professors, sooner or later they give up along the way. They start to cursing and missing church and start acted in the flesh. That's why I say if a righteous man turn from his righteousness, all the righteousness he have done will be forgotten. That's because he's turning from his righteousness, not the righteousness of Christ that was imputed unto him. He was trying to do this in his own strength, in his own righteousness, and people are weary. You People are wear you out. You can't do this in your own strength. You need the supernatural strength of Christ that he supplied. You need his spirit. That's why I said the joy of the Lord is our strength. 
Romans 2, 1 through 11. You know, we're talking about judgment and justice, doing judgment and justice, doing the right thing, being fair. And in, and in this world, especially in this nation, they're making it harder and harder to do the right thing. But we have the Spirit of Christ, so we know we have to do the right thing. We have to pull off the old man. And we're living in a very hypocritical nation. Romans, I tell you, we're in Romans the second chapter, the first through the eleventh verse. Impartiality of God, and uh, there's a lot of nepotism in the old boy club here in this nation, and especially in, in, in different places you go down south here. It says, therefore, you have no excuse or justification. Every one of you who hypocritically judges and condemns others for in passing judgment on another person, you condemn yourself because you who judge, that is, from a position of arrogance or self-righteousness, are habitually practicing the very same things which you denounce. And we know that the judgment of God falls justly and in accordance with truth on those who practice such things. So as you living a hypocritical life, and, and I see what's going on in the legislature here, and uh, I, I, remember I tell you that Mitch McConnell was doing a lot of things that was hypocritical, and now some of those things are being called to the forefront. Uh, Kevin McCarthy is running into a lot of trouble, and in the churches we see where a lot of churches, especially even with the mega churches, having problems in the congregation and we see if I don't know how well you're keeping up with the news and things but the fundamental church it seemed to be not as large or not as open to view as it used to be God's people are consistently growing but it's a little flock but the mega church those Christians that are giving Christianity, a bad name, seem to be growing and flourishing, but it's tattered. In other words, the secular world can see this is not of Christ. And that's why Paul was talking about those uh, people in the book of Galatians. He didn't want them to be like Peter or some of the others. Galatians, the first chapter, 8 through the ninth verse says, but even if we are an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to, to that which we originally preached to you, let him be condemned to destruction. As we have said before, so I now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel different from that which you receive from us, let him be condemned to destruction or cursed. See, because we can't go along with those in Christianity of those that's in the church and not they're not identifying with Christ. There must be justice, in other words, the secular world and those that are in the church that are standing for God, that are looking for righteousness, can't see us going along with the wicked of this world, the wicked professors of Christianity because we have to confront Satan's ministers who have been transformed into angels of light. That's why this 
what we're in today is the opening up of this chapter. And I don't know if you read ahead in the chapter, but the chapter comes down to uh, talking about the false prophets and those that are greedy and are in this thing for money. It says, verse 10, His watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark. Sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yea, they are greedy dogs which can't never have enough. And they are shepherds that cannot understand. They all look to their own way, every one for his own gain, for his own quarter. Come ye, say I, I will fetch wine, and we will fill our cells with strong drink, and tomorrow shall be this day, and much more abundant. So they're looking for luxury, they're looking for things in this life, but it's not the right thing. It's, they're not building a spiritual man, they're not committing people to good works, and those that are working are laboring under a false premise. In other words, the gospel of, of, of what they're preaching them is not the same one Paul preached. They're preaching godliness as gain and not being content with such that they have, which breeds covetousness and greed. Jesus contended with those during his time that were in the church and by through their tradition, the traditions of man, through what they devised, he says, you may void the commandments of God. In other words, they was taking Corbe and they was dedicating things to church, to the church and to God to keep from honoring their parents, to keep from doing the right thing. We have a problem here. We, we have a very large problem. And we see where those, he says, let them be accursed. It was Peter that Paul would stood to the face and say, Peter, you're not living right. You're not doing this right. How can you, as you as a Jew, commend them to live as Gentiles and you yourselves are living differently than what you preach? It was causing Barnabas and all of them to dissimilate as he was doing. They were looking at his example. That impartiality that we must have and have to have and preaching and judging, we should know that with that judgment, God's going to judge us. Yes. And if we're doing the same thing that they're doing, a lot of people, they're not looking at the, I don't want to say a paradox, but it's more of a dichotomy. They're saying one thing here, and on the other hand, the secular world was saying, but I thought you're supposed to love the poor. Uh, strangers, the Pope is talking about the immigrants now and some of the things that the church aren't doing and the church have been going against that's not like Christ. So as Paul said, you have another Jesus. You're preaching a different Jesus and you need to be cursed for this. You need to be confronted for these issues. There's a, not a prohibition of judgment, nor is it a command to stop using godly wisdom, common sense, and moral courage together with God's word, written word to discern right from wrong, to distinguish between morality and immorality, and to judge doctrinal truth. There are many judgments that are not only legitimate, but are commanded of us as a church 
to practice these things. So we must fight doctrinal error because Jesus had told us to beware of the living of the Pharisees. And his disciples didn't understand that, but later on they was talking about bringing bread and he was saying he was talking about the doctrine of the Pharisees that live in the bread of the Pharisees, that staple of theirs. You cannot judge another if you're committing the same type of crime. And that's what this nation are. It's thieves, it's liars, it's immoral people. And like I said, God has people in the midst of the Senate, in the midst of the representatives, in the midst of the churches. God has a people wherever he may go. Even Abimelech and Pharaoh knew it wasn't morally or sexually moral morals of Abraham was below that of a righteous man. John seven twenty four, Jesus was uh, healing on the Sabbath. And if you read that whole chapter there, it was about the Pharisees and Jesus had healed on the Sabbath and Jesus was talking about baptizing and do the Pharisees doing certain things on the Sabbath. And he says, do not judge by appearance. That is, in an arrogant manner that you more holier than I am uh, superficially but judge fairly and righteously. You have to judge by grace. In other words, by the Spirit of God, the Spirit's leading you. So, and I talked to you about that the Sabbath day, and I say I'm not trying to be a legalist, but it's God's grace leading you. You have to be careful and be circumspect. So it says, judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. And Jesus was healing on the Sabbath, and he was what doing what? He was doing good on the Sabbath. That was a good thing that he was doing. Of course, the man could have came on another day to be healed or whatever, but there was a precept involved here that Jesus was telling them, that these things has to be led by the Spirit of God. And that's the only way that he healed was through faith and that was doing the will of God. See, so he was doing these things. He came to do the will of God and he was doing it on the Sabbath to show his people that the precept was greater here. The understanding and not being a legalist. 1 Corinthians, the 5th chapter, 5th and the 12th verse. This man was going with his father and father's wife. I don't, probably, you know, it wasn't his mother. It probably was his stepmother. But he was going with his father's wife. And and says, you are to hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of his body so that his spirit may be saved in the day of judgment. In other words, disfellowship this guy. We have to make those judgments. That's why I say we're commanded to judgment, and that's why I say we have to do judgment and make sure it's right or just as judgment. And the standard they were using, Paul said, his spirit was with them in this. The standard is the Word of God. That's why we have to know the Word of God. It's not our standard we're using. It's not by outward appearance and it's being led by the Spirit of God. And when the Corinthian church wrote Paul about this, 
Paul said he had judged the matter already and that they should put this guy out. He says, for what business is it of mine to judge outsiders that is non-believers? Do you not judge those who are within the church that is to protect the church as the situation requires? God gives us discernment of spirit and we shouldn't let anything go on in the church. Everything. And that's what's happening with all of the churches. They come in with everybody's opinion, everybody, and now that there are no discipline, there are no laws in the church. Everything goes. You don't allow same sex marriage, homosexuality, lesbianism, you've allowed disrespect of the laity, uh, ordination of people who shouldn't be ordained to preach God's word, to teach God's word. All of these things we're allowing in the church, and we see where Jesus was rebuking the churches in the book of Revelation. He says, do you not, man in an immoral way, this man in an immorality with his father's wife, I wrote you in my previous letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not meaning the immoral people of this world or the greedy ones and swindlers or idolaters, for then you would have to get out of the world and human society altogether. Now listen what Paul says. He's not wasn't talking about the world because we shouldn't judge the world or get entangled in the world's affairs. So those that are outside the church doing these things, I tell a lot of people, well, I don't have a dog in that fight if they do this outside the church. But when you're saying marrying in the church and these different things that's against the word of God, that standard, well, we can't change the standard to accommodate man. So Paul was saying, as believers, we have to judge those within the church, not without the church. We can't charge gamblers and drunkards and people that are not confessing God, that's another man's servant. We are not the servant judge another man's servant. Well, we're talking about the servants of God, those within the church. He says, actually I have written to you not to associate with a so-called Christian brother. If he's sexually immoral or greedy or idolater, devoted to anything that takes the place of God is a reviler who insults or slanders or otherwise verbally abuse others. That's that, that's the thing about it with the mega churches and the churches with this last president. He was one who slanders, insults others, and verbally abuse other people. We shouldn't associate with those type people. If they say they're Christian and that's the fruit of their spirit, we have to come out against that. We have to come out against it. That's to, to do judgment and for justice to prevail in the church. As he's a drunkard or a swindler, we must not so much as eat with such a person. There was an article in the paper, a guy from the Atlantic interviewed Mick Romney. And Mick Romney, I think, is a moral, more moral person that we've had in a long time in politics. And he says he's not running for re-election from Utah or whatever. In a comment, Romney took aim at Mike Pence, calling him out for standing by former President Donald Trump's actions while claiming a deep devotion to Christianity. 
while speaking with Choppins, the interviewer, the reporter that from the Annette Atlantic that was interviewing Mick Romney, Mick Romney said that no one was more loyal, more willing to smile when he saw absurdities, more willing to ascribe God's will to things that were ungodly than Mike Pence. Everything Trump did, he was with it. That's the same thing we have with this attorney general that's running for governor of Louisiana, Jeff Landry. We're in a pathetic state. We're in a pathetic nation that so-called Christians are going along with the invasion of the, of the church of hateful, immoral, abusers, idolaters, greedy, all kinds of hateful people that oppress the poor, that, that shows oppression. That that's, that's the fault of the nation, but they go blame it on the liberals. They go blame it on the liberals and these liberal people that's not in churches or the liberal people that they're blaming it on. No, it's the Christians that's the problem here. That are wolves in sheep's clothing that are not being right. That's what God's people doing aimless time that God was punishing his people. Yes, he's going to punish the liberals. He's going to punish those outside the church. But judgment first must begin at the house of God. Judgment has to be here. What Jesus did, he had to cleanse the temple of money changers. But it was so corrupt that they had to start with house churches and smaller churches because he says, your house is left unto you desolate. He says, because you've changed my father's house into a house of prayer, God was no longer answering their prayers. That's why he said one, one stone was going to be left upon a stone, and Titus Vespasian came in and destroyed the temple at Jerusalem because of the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. First John 4 and 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Instead, test spirits to see whether they are of God because many false prophets and teachers have gone out into the world and by this you know and recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges, acknowledges and confesses the fact that Jesus Christ has actually come in the flesh as a man is from God. God is its source and every spirit that does not confess Jesus acknowledging he has come in the flesh but would deny any of the Son's true nature is not of God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and it's now already in the world. There are some that come up to us with false doctrines and with doctrines or other doctrines that are not in line with the instructions of the Word of God. Second John in the 10th verse says, If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, this teaching, in other words, the apostolic doctrine, the Apostles' Creed, if they're not bringing these instructions, this teaching uh, diminishes or uh, adds to the doctrine of Christ. We have those of different denominations and religions now that are adding to the Word of God. And we know in Revelation there's a curse upon those that add to the Word of God or take away from the Word of God. Well, God's justice, as we in chapter 6 here, I mean chapter 2 of of Romans, 
that they go sow what they're reaping, there's going to come a time where we're going to see the curses coming upon those in the church because what those false prophets and false professors have sown, they shall reap. It says, do not receive or welcome him into your house or your church, in other words. Do not give him a greeting or any encouragement. For the one who gives him a greeting, who encourages him, participates in his wrongdoing. Chapter 2 of Romans, 6 to the 11 verse, says, He will pay back to each person according to the deeds that is justly as he deserves. God's going to repay a person according to the deeds done in his body. That's why we must be mindful to continue on doing good works. To those who by, by persistence in doing good seek unseen but certain heavenly glory, honor, and immortality, he will give the gift of eternal life. Notice where he say he will give the gift of eternal life Back in John, when he say, "He that believeth on me," as the Scripture says, and that Jesus has died and had, you do have eternal life. Notice this is a provision here, an element, a conditional that you have to keep on doing these good works. Because remember, I told you, and Ezekiel says, if you turn from righteousness, just I, I, I remember. Um, and Jeff Sessions it was, one of the first people to endorse President Trump and then at the end of his tenure, at the end of his uh, term, there was a big division between him and Trump. But his church had kind of rebuked him for some of the things as a Christian he was standing for going along with Trump and mixing religion with the political divide that Trump was causing. He was brought to an open shame. I don't think you hear anything from Jeff Sessions anymore or whatever because of this sowing and reaping I'm telling you about that a lot of people you have a a religious mooring and it happened with Jerry Falwell's son that endorsed him and he was involved in some illicit behavior on board a boat with a young lady improper dressing and everything or whatever. But we have to be circumspective and not preach one thing and and advocate this and live a different way. God's going to bring this hypocrisy to the light. Whatever's done in the dark's going to come to the light. And whether you are true professor of the word of God will be made known also. It says, but for those who are selfishly, listen, you need to break that chapter down. From the 6th to the 8th verse or the ninth verse, you see about those that are laboring, doing good and persistent and not growing weary and well-doing. But now he comes and he says, but for those who selfishly selfishly ambitious and self-seeking and disobedient to the truth but responsive to the wickedness there will be wrath and indignation. You remember I told you self-ambition was a wickedness and that's evil. 
self-pleasure, self-seeking, and responsive to wickedness. And I was telling you, there's a lot of wickedness and evil doing that's going on when you oppress the poor, when you oppress the fatherless, when you oppress the strangers and aliens among you. Watch these immigration issues, how you get involved in these things. As Gamaliel told the people that when, when they were fighting against the apostles, he said, now, be careful what you're doing here. Perhaps you'll find yourself fighting against God. There will be tribulation and anguish, that is, torturing confinement for every human soul who does, who does or permits evil. That is, now, not wickedness, Evil is different from wickedness because evil is calamity in that theodicy or what we call evil is hard to define, but it's against the standards of God. Whatever is not of faith is sin. And these are the ones who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. These are the ones where we see injustice in the land. That's why we see the Supreme Court. No one trusts the Supreme Court anymore. The Supreme Court is out of the picture. Even though they make laws and things, this court, I, I realized that all the way back during the election with Al Gore, when this pastor came in with Terry Shriver, or Terry Shriver, whatever her name was down in Florida, this woman that was unconscious and her husband was trying to unpull the plug when the Supreme Court, when the courts entered in until the, it in this election that decided the election and gave it to Bush. We see in the nation, that's why I say we have to not just look at appearances, but we have to ask and seek the Spirit of God and find out what's going because the underpinnings of this nation Sometimes it's the little foxes that destroy the vines. And you have to have not just one big old great thing, but it's a combination of things. It's a character. It's a conduct. It's a fruit that the tree is producing, and this nation is producing some bad fruit. To the Jew first and also to the Greek, but glory and honor and inner peace will be given to anyone who habitually does good. Those who habitually does good. Now, those that are born of God does not sin. He does not practice evil. So those who habitually do good, God will produce or give good too, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For God shows no partiality, no arbitrary favoritism with him. One person is not more than any other person. So we see here that God is not going to join us in, in our partiality. God is impartial. You remember he smote Aaron's sons for offering up strange fire? Yes. Now if anyone he should have been partial to, Aaron was a spokesman for Moses. He was Moses' prophet. He was the one doing the speaking to Pharaoh. These was Aaron's sons, but God smote them dead. There's no partiality with God. God was the one that delivered his own son to be crucified on the cross. So the living Bible, 
Uh, I'm not going to read all that. That's a long way, but if you can, go back and read it. It's in your notes, that in the Living Bible of Romans 6 to 1 through 11. It's in the notes that I'm going to give you all those notes from the Living Bible. Oppression of courts. Solomon in Ecclesiastes 4, 1 to 3 talks about the oppression that he's seen in the court and in the land. The world shows a long history of oppression, the strong oppression of the weak. Regardless of when a person lives, their lives are relatively only better or worse. In other words, we really would not improve our lives by going back, talking about the good old days as they talking about the MAGA movement, make America great again or whatever. Well, I think that's a misnomer because going back to the time of Solomon or the time of Christ or even the Renaissance or the wild, wild west, man have always been depraved. That's why he destroyed the old world, the first world during the time of Noah. That was oppression and all of these things going on during the time of Christ. There were oppression and all of these things going on during the time when the so-called pilgrims left England. Why did they left? Because of taxes, because of oppression. They came over here and they built the same thing. This nation even built it even worse though. They had they took slavery and took it to a whole different level in, than what the Romans had. During the Roman period, there were doctors and lawyers. Everyone was, but America is coming to that same point. If you were, there's a book uh, that uh, Hayes had. What is his name? Robert Hayes or this Chris Hayes? Chris Hayes has a book about the cultural divide in the and the people and the class wars that's going on. You see it in the big three automobile strike or whatever. America is gradually destroying the middle class. You won't have a middle class. You can have extreme poverty or extreme wealth. That's what this nation is doing. It's destroying the middle class. So don't all times have been bad times or hard times. Don't look back and say, the good old days. It's the same then. It was you just wasn't aware of it or whatever. It was bad then, just like it's bad now. People how how bad the world is getting. It's been worse than this also. You're just now being paying attention to it. But Christ said it's going to get worse. It's going to get to a point where He has to destroy the world. He's going to bring it to a stop. That's why I say. His righteousness is about to be revealed. He, his salvation is about to be revealed. That's what we're looking for. We're not looking to man. Those religions and things preach a great revival and uh, he's going uh, uh, come out, snatch us away in a rapture and all of these other things. Watch false doctrine. Now those things started from denominations and, and different religions and things. All these things that they're telling you is not biblical just because it's popular doesn't make it biblical. There's no such thing as the good old days. Life has always been the same. This is hard for us to grasp. It is true because people are driven by the same thing, by envy, by lust, by vanity, by revenge, by human nature. 
Solomon goes into this in Ecclesiastes 4 through the 7 verse. Taking advantage of the poor and powerless appears in many forms in modern America. That's what the people were doing during the time of Amos. They was oppressing the rich, were oppressing the poor. They were stealing their land. They was oppressing them, the labor and all of these things. Powerful and wealthy families and corporations and lobbying groups and governments hold tremendous sway over and often outright control the government of the United States. If you want to look where all of the old politicians have, have went to, they are lobbyists. Remember John Bro, mm-hmm. or Trent Lott? All of these people become lobbyists because that's just a, a, a proving ground, a trial ground politics is. To see how corrupt or wicked it will you join the system, the world system. That's why I say we have an evil world system. The members of the government to please their various money constituents and we see where the corrupt, the Supreme Court with dark money have corrupted politics and voted to diluted voting strength open it up so all kinds of dark money and PACs and different groups can fund elections and so we have a quagmire in religion we have a quagmire in politics all of these things have united this is the beast this is Babylon that we're in false prophet and the beast and all of these other things have combined uh, draft and in, they enact and legislation and directives that have funneled the wealth, opportunities, and resources into fewer and fewer hands. The Israelites' immorality during that time of Amos and before captivity fell into three major areas indifference to and oppression of the poor. Isn't that the same thing we have now? They talk about welfare and an entitlement program such as that that helped. But you know that that is less than 1.8% of the budget. Our largest portion of the budget is in our military. It's in weaponry. Covetousness displayed by placing primary importance on material possessions. Isn't that the same as the United States? Isn't that the same as this nation? That's what happened to England, uh, Great Britain, with Brexit, and Brexit has become a great failure. We have nothing but nations with people with ideas, and uh, I forgot this latest name in France that had Le Pen, Pen, that she was running, but we have all of this convolution of the world going, saying that they're conservative and that that conservative means religions. It may mean false religion, but politics and religion doesn't have, Christ is the only, the grace of Jesus Christ. It's, it's scattered, the power of God's people. So it's not denominational. It's not political. It's individual. That's why I say his salvation is being revealed and his people are scattered throughout, and the power of the holy people is about to rise.
The third uh, major area uh, Israel fell into was unrestricted, unrestricted promotion of self-advantage, doing anything to anyone to get their way, and that's what we see today. Yeah. Self-centeredness, getting their way, selfishness. Uh, wanting uh, because of oppression and exploitation of the poor meant the weaker members of society. It warning uh, to to God, the poor are those without the worldly resources or connections to defend themselves, and that's why we say Louisiana is a public defender state. That's why so many are incarcerated because it's deals that they c cut, and our prison systems are overwhelmed now. That's why they had passed prison reform, but it's an unjust system. We have murderers growing free. No wonder crime is so rapid because God is allowing you to reap what you've sown. As a result of their weaknesses, the wicked that look upon the poor as fair game to exploit. According to Isaiah 10, 1 to 2, it says, Woe to unjust judges and to those who issue unfair laws, says the Lord, so that there is no justice for the poor, the widows and the orphan. Yes, it is true that even rob widows and the poor people, and you understand that when we see the abortion laws and the different things that's being enforced or restricted or forced it upon the people, that now that they can't use that as a cudgel to, to, to bludgeon the, the women with, they have found have finding other ways to try to set women, the fatherless, and the poor back. We have to learn to bridge these gaps. Woe judgment is coming unto us. The consumers could refer to small businessmen, a consumer at the mercy of huge corporations and big banks and things. So all of these corporations and huge banks and things, we have to have a failure on a gargantuan level so that the corporations and all of these would fail so that the small farmer, that the mall pop shops, that we go back to what God originally, remember I said in reversing the curse, we have to go back to what God originally designed and we can only get back there through the word of God we can only get back there through the word of God now what I'm going to do Sunday to close this out Sunday Matthew the 25th chapter the 33rd through the 46th verse I'll start with that Sunday to tie this in and close it off I'm going to preach on this Saturday but Sunday I'll close this teaching here off